listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rico, your host of the show, being joined with the publisher of the Bark Board, as always, Mr. Jackson Moore. And Jackson, um, not exactly the result the Bulldogs were looking for heading over to the islands, and they really, really, uh, I don't know, for a lack of a better term, are shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your take on this game right now? And uh, so I'm just going to pose this question to you, put you on a spot right away at the beginning. What went wrong, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of things went wrong, and it took a lot of things to lose that game to go wrong. I mean, six turnovers, and they lose by three points. I mean, those six turnovers alone, they could have, if it was four turnovers, they might have won this game. Five, even. It was a lot of turnovers. Uh, Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and as you mentioned, you know the the Bulldogs. You know, other than facing uh, one of the best teams in the nation in Oregon, always seem to have an answer and the, the magic to overcome a lot of their mistakes. And you could just see it uh, on that last uh, offensive play, the the shock on Shakaner's face that. They didn't have it this time. They, I mean, they drove all the way down the field. Uh, it looked like they were at least going to get a field goal and force overtime, and, and the ball bounces off the receiver's hands right before me. Just one of, of many things that went wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, so you talk about the slow start, uh, not much of a running game, uh, some issues with pass protection, all the turnovers, um, not being able to finish a game. I mean, these are all things we've seen already this season. Um, at Oregon, turnover in the fourth quarter loses a three-point lead. Um, at UCLA, they had a chance to sit away two back-to-back turnovers, put the Bruins right ahead. And even against UNLV, the Bulldogs were up uh, two, had a chance to extend the lead. Uh, there's a fluke interception, and the Rebels go down and take the lead and force the Bulldogs to have that that game-winning drive. I mean, there could have been a similar case just the week before. A similar play happens like the one that Hawaii did. Uh, at the end of the game. So, you know, it was a shock that they lost, but even though they were up by 14 in the fourth quarter, the, the way it slipped through their hands felt a, a little too familiar. And um, you talked about also just kind of the history of the program and losses like these are unfortunately not too uncommon. You look back to uh, 2008 and uh, Fresno State turned the ball over six times and they lost to Hawaii. Uh, as a ranked team, the Bulldogs were that year. So, uh, I mean, both to short term and long term, this this brought up a lot of bad memories for a team that uh, has a lot of, had a lot of good ones. I mean, this year was uh, had been a lot of fun to this point, uh, but you saw the same familiar problems that uh, rose up just in a greater number on uh, this particular game. Yeah, it definitely uh, turned out to be one of those games that uh, kind of brought us back to that that pat hill era where they're playing these these really high ranked opponents and and faring really well and then they come back to conference play and struggle against some of the lower end teams and not to say that hawaii is a lower end team but honestly they shouldn't have lost this game um it was one of those games that uh slipped through their fingers and for the first time this season, they really made Jake Hayner 
look like a very average quarterback. Uh, and since you know, since the season has begun, he has been looking like the Superman of the college football as far as quarterbacks are <laughs> concerned. And all of a sudden, Hawaii came back as as his kryptonite. What was going on with Jake and and all the turnovers he was creating here? Was it something that Hawaii was doing that he wasn't familiar with? Or is it just the fact that Hawaii just knows Fresno State all too well? Yeah, you know, towards the end, um, I mean, it just seemed like they were dropping about eight guys back a lot of the times. And then there was just a lot of black jerseys around the ball when, when the tips were happening. And even when Hainer you know, kind of maybe forced some things or mixed some throws a little later that are normally there, there were just more... Uh, defenders around the area than they would normally account for, it seemed like. And, and there was a few uncharacteristic throws, or even a couple passes that probably should have been picked up that weren't bounced off of uh, Hawaii uh, defensive back's hands uh, that they couldn't pull in. Um, but yeah, it was just a, an uncharacteristic day. Um, I mean, again, the, for the fifth out of six games, he had to deal with some injury issues, uh, had, to, had uh, what looks like a really ugly play on his ankle. He only missed three uh, snaps and then came back in the next drive. And uh, I mean, then, then all of a sudden he looks like he's 100 percent when he's playing. And then between plays, he's limping around, which is when uh, unfortunately a team that's happened too often. And you hope that the O line can help protect that from happening. But yeah, it was it was just kind of all around. Um, and you mentioned you know that's the team that Fresno State shouldn't have lost to. And you know, going into the weekend, uh, I had a fair amount of respect for Hawaii. I thought they were a pretty good team and you know, they played a really good game. They could fight the Bulldogs, but uh, without their quarterback, Sean Cordero, if you, you didn't watch the game or, or miss that tidbit, I mean, you're talking about a really experienced quarterback that puts up a lot of numbers for the, the Warriors who was not available and they have to go to a backup who's a freshman, a true freshman who's only thrown a couple of passes this season and uh, he, he's not the reason Hawaii won, but it's a big reason why Fresno State should not have lost. They, the Bulldogs totally shut them down for two quarters in the second and third, but they got off to a slow start, and then the turnovers really gave them a chance to get into a groove and figure things out in the fourth quarter as they scored 17 unanswered points. So that was very frustrating. Uh, I mean, Hawaii, the week in and week out, is a tough team, but with the, what there was going on at quarterback, they should have never had a chance if you're Fresno State. No, definitely uh, Fresno State should have had the upper hand on this one. Um, and for whatever reason, it just didn't happen or come together for the Bulldogs. Now, uh, I, I did hear a, uh, some sort of a story that the, the Bulldogs did have some travel issues. Um, and there's been some talk that maybe that contributed to, to how the Bulldogs were playing. I, I, I'm not really sure. So, J- Jackson, what, what happened on, on travels for, for the Bulldogs? Because I know there was a little, bit of a, a little bit of a hiccup there for them. Yeah, the Bulldogs were trying to get out uh, Friday at a reasonable time, and there was a plane delay. Uh, they didn't end up leaving uh, Fresno until about 8 p.m., I believe, somewhere around that time. So that gets them to Hawaii around about 1.30 a.m. our time, which was about 10.30 Hawaii time. And, you know, there's, uh, I mean, there was a shorter turnaround than they would have liked. I think, you know, just kind of tallying up the math, 
from 10.30 p.m. their time to the 5 p.m. kickoff. I think there should have been enough time to probably get some decent sleep in and get prepared for this game, but it is a lot. The time difference, the, the effects on the body, and just being rushed and not getting their proper sleep. Uh, and they, they mentioned it as um, you know, something that impacted the game, but something that shouldn't have been used as an excuse. And um, <laughs> One thing I mentioned is I would I think I would rather uh, go through all of those things and have Jay Kaner than be the home team and have the perfect scenario but not have my quarterback like Hawaii had to go through. Um, so both teams had some pretty thing, big things they had to deal with. and I, I think I would rather take the travel complications and have to start a, a true freshman quarterback, to be honest. Well, now now it starts all those com- conspiracy theories that uh, some something at Hawaii somebody somebody <laughs> planned this for the travel, um, and and you never know. I mean, there's a little bit of sportsmanship going on between these two teams all the time. So uh, I'm I'm not going to say it that it was true, but you know it's kind of a coincidence. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, it, things things happen sometimes, and uh, it's all part of the of the game, whether you like to admit it or not. As far as travel is concerned, one team's going to have advantage over the other. Uh, whether or not travel throws a, an even bigger wrench into things, like it happened for the Bulldogs, uh, that that happens uh, every so often, and the the Bulldogs still came out with a lead in this game that they should have never given up. So travel, even though it being what it was, um, is probably factored in at some point, but it really shouldn't have mattered in the in a game where they were up 14 points um, and could have come out on top. Now, one thing that continues to be a trend, Jackson, is the running game struggles. Um, I believe... Uh, Ronnie Rivers still was not able to get going in, in this game. What is going on with the Bulldogs? Yeah, and in this game, it just seemed like Fresno State leaned a lot more towards the passing game. Um, you know, they, Ronnie ran about the same amount of times as he has the past couple of weeks, but uh, or, or at least last week, uh, I think he had the same number of carries in CNLV, but the Bulldogs ran like 20 or 30 more plays. So uh, they definitely went heavier on the pass. And um, Ronnie uh, wasn't running poorly. Um, I mean, the, the, number, the total numbers aren't there. And they had they run the ball more, he, he might have had some better numbers. Um, but you're talking about um, just 15 carries for 74 yards, you know, almost five yards to carry. Um, but the Bulldogs just didn't seem to have a lot of confidence in it. And especially in the fourth quarter, uh, it seemed like they were passing just about every play. Uh, they did do a better job this week of getting him the ball through the air. He had six catches for uh, 59 yards, which is something that we saw a lot more of last year, uh, where he was both running very effectively and catching a bunch of passes every week. Um, but I think it mostly starts with the O-line. They, they didn't do a great job the week prior. Um, this was a game where with the turnovers and, and the penalties, the, the offense had a little bit of a, a tough time getting into rhythm, um, even though every single drive they had uh, got to midfield at some point. Uh, it just didn't seem like they ever got comfortable running the ball. And the way that Ron, uh, Ronnie was playing, uh, I would have liked to have seen him get some more touches, especially there in the fourth quarter where it felt like the Bulldogs were just kind of rushing it a little bit, get, panicking a bit, just 
focusing all on the pass when uh, they had uh, a 14 point lead and a seven point lead on those two drives uh, that they could have maybe established some more run and, and at least gotten their way in the field goal range rather than trying to, to throw it all the way downfield. Yeah, the Bulldogs uh, had several opportunities to just uh, basically, once they got up a good lead to just run, run the ball with rivers and they kind of got away from it and continued to do the passing game, which ultimately in the long run ended up biting them in the butt Jackson, right? I mean, with the turnovers that Hayner threw and the, the pass rush just coming in unchecked uh, really made it difficult for Jake Hayner to, to get set and, and really make a, a good pass at times and had they used the run game, don't you think that probably would have slowed down that uh, the Hawaii defense a bit to, to allow extra time for Hayner when he did need to pass? Yeah, I mean, there there was a lot of plays, <laughs> as you mentioned, or uh, I talked about earlier, there was a lot of plays where Hawaii dropped eight, and then yet there was a lot of plays where Hayner had almost no time to throw, and um, you've got to find a way to offset both of those things. And so the running game was, of course, a nice way to do that and balance it out and, and keep Hawaii from being able to focus so much on the pass because it seemed like they just came out and said, you know, but at all costs, we're either going to make sure you've got nowhere to throw downfield or we're going to come after you as fast as we can. And uh, it didn't seem like they had much regard for the running game, especially after the early goings uh, when they were stopping it pretty well. So... Yeah, the Bulldogs, they, they really, they've got the weapons on the offense to just pass the ball as much as they want, like the, the Derek Carr years. I mean, they've already proven they can put up big numbers and, and win games that way. But um, in order to be consistent, you know, you really need to have a, a balanced offense and, and not let teams be able to make you one-dimensional. Uh, and that's what you know, last year the Bulldogs did a really good job at. It was a unusual year and they didn't get to put the, the full project on the, the field every week but when they were at full strength you had Ronnie who just seemed like he was unstoppable plus this explosive passing game and they've got to find a way to get back to that yeah definitely it's uh it's becoming a trend now if the Bullocks continue to all to all they do is just pass um Week after week, people are just going to line up and just rush the quarterback, uh, and and really, it's going to make things even more difficult for for Jake Kaner and company. And uh, you know, I I understand that they have the weapons offensively um, that they would like to use, but at some point, you're going to have to balance it out with that running game, and they are struggling at the moment. But on the flip side, Jackson Hawaii uh, rookie quarterback coming out. Um, for a while there, all he kept doing was chucking it deep. Um, I don't know if that was a game plan design or a read that he just kept seeing and kept trying to throw it deep, but but what's your take on that? Because it seemed like almost every play he was trying to launch it 50 yards down the field. Yeah, that was bizarre. And it felt like they had no chance to win when that was going on. Um, you know, the first two drives they, they put together, I mean, a really good scoring drive on the first possession of the game. It was like 11 plays and 72 yards after the, the Cropper fumble. Um, and then they had another drive that put together a field goal. Um, he had a couple of completions, but it was mostly the running game that was hurting the Bulldogs defensively. And then once Fresno State kind of settled in, you know, they, they, this was a surprise, the fact that the, the freshman quarterback was in. 
Um, Cordero had played previous week uh, and it didn't seem like he had much of a significant issue, so they spent all week game planning for this guy who's a real playmaker and a dual threat. And then Hawaii runs out this kind of big pocket quarterback that, that has very little film on him on the season. And yeah, it got to the point where, uh, I mean, Hawaii just looked desperate and just looked like they were slinging the ball down the field just to try to get lucky, perhaps, to draw a pass interference or something. And it wasn't working at all. I mean, a lot of those passes flew out of bounds and weren't anywhere close to the receiver to even make a play. And yeah, when that was going on, it just felt like, all right, <laughs> this game's just about over. They can't really do much of anything. And uh, all of a sudden, there in the fourth quarter, he, he got a few mid-range passes. And uh, the offense started to, to click for them a bit. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> it was a good move by them because that, that, those long passes weren't working at all. Uh, they finally either called some different plays or he made some different reads and uh, just let their playmakers do the work because they've got a lot of weapons that, that's on that offense, um, both at receiver and at running back. And if you can just find a way to get them the ball, they can be pretty effective. And the Bulldogs saw that both in the run and in the pass. The, uh, th- those few drives that UH put points on the board, they were tough to stop. Yeah, I don't know if if, if the the time period where they just kept launching it down the field uh, kind of uh, spread that defense uh, open a little bit more because they were just making sure that that deep pass didn't get by them. But then in the fourth quarter when they started making their adjustments and started throwing things underneath, that's when Hawaii came, came away, you know, just woke up at some point and uh, Fresno at that point struggled to try and figure out how to stop it because all they kept planning for was the deep pass. Um, And so that made things a little bit more different for the Bulldogs to handle, but uh, offensively uh, Fresno state really missed an opportunity when Hawaii was launching those balls deep and, and turning the ball back to the Bulldogs had the Bulldogs scored on every possession uh, that that was going on, this game would have been no question, right, Jackson? Yeah, and they certainly had the opportunities. I and mean, again, thir- 13 total possessions, all of them got to midfield at some point, and only four get points on the board. Um, the Bulldogs had the four scoring drives, they had six turnovers, and then they had three, uh, two punts and one turnover on down. So uh, that, that was another one where we saw in the fourth quarter where the Bulldogs were at about the 40 and decided to go for it on fourth and eight, didn't come close to converting that. And Hawaii went down, and I believe they scored the game-tying touchdown after that drive. Um, so that was another big momentum swing on top of the, the six turnovers that already happened before. And it just felt like, again, another bit of a, of a note where the Bulldogs were kind of panicking a bit. Um, uh, the announcers were even saying, you know, this Hawaii offense isn't doing much. Why don't you try to punt and, and send them and make them go the length of the field? Instead, they got that ball to 40 and promptly... Uh, drove their way down the field and then tied up the game. So, uh, yeah, a lot of missed opportunities on offense. I mean, they, they could have put points on the board on almost every possession of the game, and yet uh, only managed to do so on, on four out of 13. Um, and if, if, you, if you turn 10 of those 13 drives into field goals, you're talking about 30 points for crying out loud, and that's to win the game. Um, so, uh, I mean, they're going to be watching film, uh, not just kicking themselves, but looking at how many plays happened on the right side of the 50-yard line and trying to figure out how they only scored 24 points. Yeah, and and uh, and if you think about it, uh, 
it's not completely the player's fault. Uh, The coaching in this one could have been a little bit better um, had they made some different decisions. Like you said, instead of going for it on fourth down, punting it away, make the, the Hawaii offense go the whole field. You know, there's a chance for a turnover at that point. However, they decided to go forward on fourth down to try and, and ice the game and ended up <laughs> shooting themselves in the foot and getting Hawaii right back into this game. So there's definitely uh, some some work that the coaches are probably going to be looking at film and thinking them to themselves, why did we do that? <laughs> uh, it's, you know, some of the decisions I was kind of confused by, but it is what it is. The game is now over. There's really nothing you can do about it. Um, but with the loss now, Fresno State drops out of the top 25. Did they drop out significantly, Jackson, or they still have a chance to get back into the top 25? Uh, you know, they're still in the picture. They got some votes um, in both of the polls. Uh, right now in the AP poll, the Bulldogs have the 35th most votes, and the way that teams are, are dropping like flies this year, uh, there's certainly a chance they can get back into it. Um, Sooner rather than later, um, the when you look at the top twenty-five, uh, this year has been very unusual um, because there's been, I believe, the number is thirty-five ranked teams that have lost this year. Uh, so there's been crazy movement uh, every single week, and um, the Bulldogs aren't going to have a chance to really have a marquee win in the short term, um, just because, of course, they're not playing this week and. Um, Wyoming is a team that uh, hasn't lost yet, but it's not getting a lot of credit uh, nationally. Um, but then the Bulldogs have a stretch where they're going to play Nevada, um, San Diego State, Boise State. San Diego State actually cracked the top 25 this week at number 25. Um, so if you look at those that three-game run, you figure if the Bulldogs can win those games, um, at some point they're going to jump back into the, that ranking for sure, uh, especially if you win a game like the San Diego State one. Um, but they've got to win them all. They've got to win them consecutively, and uh, they're at a point where if they lose again, there's not going to be um, a lot of wiggle room for voters to, to put a, a three-loss Mountain West team in there till the, the very end of the year if the Bulldogs can pull off a two-loss conference championship or something like that. And not only do they have to win and, and pretty much win throughout the season – but they're going to have to win decisively, right, Jackson? They're they're not going to they're going to have to win these games and leave no doubt in order to 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 secure a comfortable spot in the top twenty five. Uh, don't you think they're going to kind of have to come out and put a lot of points on the board just to open up some eyes? I would say so, just because uh, you know the previous week, Bulldogs had that ugly win against UNLV, which is a, a bad UNLV team as far as the, their schedule goes. Right there. The record goes, of course, they haven't won a game still. And most people looked at that score and they said, oh, you know, uh, outside of Fresno, I know Bulldog fans weren't happy about that performance, but I know talking to people around the West and around the country, they're, they're looking at that score and thinking, oh, well, any team who has that big emotional win over UCLA is going to have a little bit of a letdown the next week. So I think Fresno State, by and large, got a pass for barely beating UNLV. But then you compound that with back-to-back games where now you're barely beating UNLV and now you lost to Hawaii. Um, and people look closely at the fact that Hawaii had a backup quarterback in there. I mean, those two games are, are they pretty much doomed. Yeah. So now the Bulldogs got to prove that they're more of the team that they were the first four weeks than they were the last two weeks. And that's not just winning, but 
doing it in a pretty uh, significant fashion. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to go back out and prove themselves all over again. Um, even though they had great showings at the early season, now are struggling once they entered conference play. And one of those struggles was against UNLV, which is supposedly one of the worst teams in the conference. So that doesn't help the Bulldogs whatsoever. Um, and then end up going to Hawaii and losing to a backup quarterback. Yeah, really, really makes a difference there in the rankings, doesn't it? Um, but that pretty much in a nutshell, Bulldogs struggled. They're going to be heading into a bye week. What is the sense going around uh, practice and and what the Bulldogs are dealing with this week, Jackson, you've had a chance to maybe go out there and see what's going on. What's the mood like? What are, what are people saying? Yeah. So normally at this time of the week, when we talk to the Bulldogs, so we, we had a press conference and a practice and I'm getting ready for the, the second of two practices that I'm usually out there for, for the week. They only practice really three times. Um, but this week, uh, they've really given the players the time off with the bye week. Um, Usually, uh, sometimes you'll see teams kind of uh, stick to the normal schedule, but just in a, in a lighter fashion. But the coaches, pretty much right after they got back into town, hit the road for recruiting, and they've been gone all week. Um, so the, the players have really just had time off, no practices or anything. So it's tough to tell too much from that standpoint quite yet. Um, but they'll get back on the field, uh, supposedly for Thursday and Friday. I have the day off Saturday, um, have a light practice Sunday, and then get back into the regular game week for uh, Wyoming. But, yeah, the, that's, it makes me wonder how the players are responding because, I mean, I'm sure they're, they're all disgusted with that loss and how they've had, um, what, four days in a row now with, without a, an organized practice to just let this one fester. Uh, so we'll see if it motivates them or if it's uh, going to be tough on their mental shift. Yeah, one has to think that they, you know they're they're sitting back there thinking what just happened, uh, trying to figure out what was going on during the broadcast of the game. Uh, there was several shots shown of of Jalen Cropper just shaking his head in in disbelief of what was going on and couldn't figure out what, what you know what Hawaii was doing here. Um, so you've got to think that some of this is kind of creeping into their minds at this point. And giving the players some time off might not be a bad idea just to get their heads straight. Um, although, is it a wise choice of not having a regular schedule, Jackson? What, what do you think on, about that one? Yeah, you know, you mentioned Copper guy shaking his head. That's a, I recall seeing one where uh, Hayner threw a pass. It looked like he kind of forced it, and it wasn't in Copper's vicinity. It almost got picked off, I believe, if I remember that right. And, the reaction on Cropper's face was just, you know, it wasn't like like he was upset, but it was like, man, you know, this isn't normally how we play, you know? And it just it was kind of frustrating and felt like that offense was out of sync a little bit, which put up zero points in the fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's tough to tell how, how this is going to pan out. Um, I think ultimately this team just doesn't look – it didn't look like itself the last two weeks. They've gone through a lot of stressful things in terms of the short week and playing uh, pretty worn down against UNLV and now the, the travel issues they had at, at Hawaii. Um, and then just the fact that, you know, up until that point, they were coming out trying to prove some things. And the last two weeks, they had to play the other side of the coin where they're just trying to fend off some upset attempts. So 
it just seems like they haven't quite had as much fun out there the last two weeks and they've been uh, fatigued and this might just be a good chance for them to kind of rest their bodies and, and recharge mentally uh, because now you're getting into the six-game stretch where every game's going to be critical. I mean, just about every opponent on the schedule, you know, can be you. Um, but realistically, the Bulldogs should win every one of those games. It just comes down to doing it consecutively, which is incredibly difficult. And, um, you know, if you lose a game, it's not going to be a shameful occurrence, but it's probably going to keep you from playing in the Mountain West Championship. So the, the margin for error is so small that they've got to be at a peak condition going into this run. Yeah, it's definitely uh, going to be one of those if they want to make a run at the Mountain West uh uh, championship, not only a Mountain West championship, but they also need, want to make a run at possibly hosting a Mountain West championship. Uh, there is no more room for error. They need to win every single game from here on out uh, in order to make that happen so that they can get a conference championship here at Bulldog Stadium. Um, and the Bulldogs can do it. Uh, whether or not they are mentally prepared for it, the only time will will tell after this uh, recent loss. Um, but around, around the mountain West, things are starting to, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess for lack of a better term, the picture is starting to get a little clearer, right? Jackson, as far as who is who and who is, uh, who's real and who's not <laughs> for, uh, in the mountain West. And right now, uh, the mountain West in the mountain division, air force is leading that, uh, conference or that division, with a four and one overall, however, Wyoming is four and zero oh in that uh, uh, right now in the conference or overall record, and um, I don't know, Jackson. They haven't even played a conference game yet, <laughs> so uh, why Wyoming for real, or is Air Force the front runner in that one? Yeah, so you mentioned we've learned uh, about a lot of the teams, but not all of them yet. Of course, Wyoming hasn't played that conference game, and uh, it's certainly going to affect how we look at them next week when the Bulldogs go there. Uh, Wyoming is 4-0, but they've got a, a very odd resume. They barely beat Montana State by three points. They barely beat UConn by two points. They barely beat Northern Illinois in a... 50 to 43 shootout, and then they totally demolished the Ball State team, 45 to 12. Uh, they did not play any Power Five schools in the, the so, preseason. Um, so it's not I mean, exactly it's, an illustrious <laughs> schedule. Yeah, it is a it is an unusual schedule and an unusual <laughs> performance in it to be four and zero. I mean, they could be one and three with an FCS loss and a UConn loss pretty easily. Um, so. At the same time, they're a team that's got a pretty solid defense and uh, enough offensively to win you games. So uh, both probably a pretender, yet also dangerous <laughs> to a degree. Um, and then that mountain division, you've got the three teams that stand at one and one, which is uh, an odd uh, position already. You had Boise State, who got beat up pretty good by Nevada um, at home, which is just an unusual sight to see Boise State in. Um, you've got Air Force, who is looking like one of the better teams uh, in that division, yet they lost to Utah State. Um, Utah State has also picked up a loss already to kind of cancel that out. They got destroyed by Boise State. So <laughs> it's just going to be one of those years where... Uh, Welcome to the Mountain West. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not just 
you know, two teams that are, you know, undefeated and then playing in November to see who's going to win the division. It's like, you're going to have weird losses. Uh, we've already seen it now with Fresno State. Um, and the West Division is uh, in itself a whole different animal. You've got Nevada. Now they're 1-0 with the win over Boise State in the conference, and that's a heck of a start for them. Um, you've got San Diego State, who's now ranked, who hasn't played the conference game. Uh, Hawaii, their only other conference game was a very narrow loss to San Jose State by four points, who is the defending conference champion, of course. The Spartans haven't looked as good this year, but they stand at 1-0 in conference play. And um, they'll take on Colorado State this week. Uh, And then, of course, Hawaii uh, themselves, they've uh, proven that they're in a difficult task each week, even if they don't have the starting quarterback, apparently. So there's really only one, probably only one team that's just, you feel like it's a cakewalk in this conference with UNLV and the Bulldogs have already played them. So, and it wasn't much of one. So uh, (laughs) this is going to be a, uh, a tough one, and, and as I mentioned, it's like Fresno State is probably going to be favored just about every week, maybe outside of going to San Diego State. At the same time, these are all really good teams, and the difference between them is, is not a lot. And if the Bulldogs lose another game or two, it's not because they didn't show up or they didn't play inspired football. It's just because <laughs> these teams, I think the parity is just, so much so that now that Fresno State's not established as the number 18 team in the nation, that they're pretty much one of the bunch, and it's going to be very challenging to just win on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, <laughs> it's going to be one of those where you're going to be kind of scratching your head this season of looking at these uh, these wins and losses, and uh, I mean, just when you think you have one team dialed in, all of a sudden they lose, and you're like. What just happened there? Um, but right now, the biggest wild card, uh, as we mentioned, is Wyoming. Um, they're 4-0. However, they haven't really played anybody. So we're really not sure what kind of a team uh, Fresno State's going to face once they get to uh, play Wyoming. Um, we all know what Air Force does, and uh, it's th- their style of play is just super frustrating for me to watch. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of their offense, but they seem to figure that one out all the time. Um, Boise State's loss to Nevada that that one shocked me last week, Jackson. Uh, I I don't know if it shocked you as well. Uh, Nevada going into Boise, where usually Boise the the mystique of Boise Stadium for whatever reason. Uh, Boise doesn't lose very often there, and Nevada went in and took care of business. Is this going to be a Nevada team that is going to really challenge um, everyone for the the Mountain West uh, title? Yeah, Nevada is a little odd because uh, you know they started the season with a five point win over Cal, uh, which seemed like a pretty decent win at the time. Now Cal is one and four; doesn't look quite as impressive. Two weeks later, they lost to Kansas State by uh, twenty one points. Um, the Wildcats shortly after cracked the top twenty five, and then. And fell out of it promptly afterwards. And so it was tough to tell how good this team really was. They had a lot of hype coming into the preseason as the West Division favorite. I mean, NFL picks, front offense, a couple of them led by the quarterback, Carson Strong, who a lot of people have going top 10. And um, just the way that they played at Kansas State didn't look like that at all. Uh, but they were able to bounce back against Boise State for sure. And it was one of those games where, you know, Boise State. 
hasn't looked their typical self quite this year. They're two and three right now, so this wasn't an anomaly for them, but uh, they've been pretty close. And usually by conference play at the latest, they figure that stuff out. And when I checked the score in the first half, um, what you say, had an early lead, and it just seemed like, all right, <laughs> you know, no, no surprise, Broncos are defending their home turf. They're going to beat Nevada. And the Wolfpack just turned it on there in the third quarter and, and really put together a sizable gap. And so, uh, I mean, Nevada's definitely got the offensive power, not a great defense. And they've also, they had three receivers that made the Blitnikoff watch list. One of them, Elijah Cooks, is out for the year. So already they've taken a pretty big hit to their talent uh, receiver, which is one of their biggest strengths. So I think it's going to be tough for them to run through conference play um, undefeated by any means. And it's going to be a, a bit of an equalizer in a lot of weeks. And uh, you know, that was the one thing. I mean, Fresno State last year, you look at two of their losses, the first one and the last one. And you know, even the Nevada loss, the, the COVID-19 stuff and the absent players and the no offseason played a big role. But the Wolfpack were really the one team that had a straight-up advantage with their receivers against Fresno State's defensive back. They threw like four or five touchdowns in that game. And, and so the fact that they're going to be down one of those key players is certainly uh, going to see music to Fresno State's uh, defensive ears. Yeah, so it's uh, it's definitely going to be uh, a fun fun season in the Mountain West, uh, to say the least. Uh, Bulldogs have a bye this week, but then head into uh, Carson to go play San Diego State. And like you said, San Diego State um, coming in this week ranked in the top 25 um, I'm not really sure who are they playing this week. Let's find out. Um, but uh, if if uh, San Diego State is able to continue to um, to stay win, uh, Fresno State could be facing a ranked team um, in San Diego State, which could make things interesting and possibly help the Bulldogs get back into the top 25 if they can pull off a win against San Diego State. So San Diego State is facing New Mexico this week, Jackson. Um, safe to say that one might go in San Diego's favor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the Lobos are a lot more formidable this season, but that's the game San Diego State should be able to handle. Um, you know, San Diego State does have a lot of close games against some teams like that. Um, I mean, they were, I think, behind a halftime to New Mexico State, um, and then they got up for some Pac-12 games the following week. So, um, you know, the Aztecs aren't typically your, your high-flying offense, and they can have some tight games. They got to pull away in the second half. But, um, yeah, they'll have New Mexico. They go to San Jose State and Air Force for back-to-back weeks. So they're going to be in for a challenge themselves to stay ranked before the Fresno State faces them. But, I do think if the Bulldogs can, can reset, bounce back, get the wins against Wyoming and Nevada, that a uh, pretty big group of Red Wavers could make that trip to Carson for a game that might just determine the uh, the West Division title if uh, both teams avoid a loss from here to then. Yeah, so I, I had that mixed up. Yeah, Fresno State has a bye week this week, then heads uh, to play uh, Wyoming, uh, and then they face San Diego State. So uh, Fresno State will get to, to test Wyoming first to see uh, what kind of a team Wyoming actually is, uh, and then they'll get their chance against San Diego State, who hopefully by then will still be ranked in the top 25 because that's what you want. 
you want uh, somebody ranked uh, for the Bulldogs to face in order to help them uh, catapult them back into the top 25. And having a ranked San Diego State will do wonders for the Bulldogs if they can go off and, and pull that one off. Um, but this, so on the schedule this week, another key matchup that uh, should be, uh, everyone should kind of key in on, especially is it's going to be that Boise State BYU matchup. Uh, that could, uh, you know, shake things up in the conference if Boise comes away with uh, either a win or a loss. Because if they come away with a win, it helps the Mountain West. If they come away with a loss, well, it just shakes up the Mountain West even more. <laughs> right, Jackson? <laughs> well, look at this. I mean, Boise State is 2-3. and three. They've got BYU. <laughs> and no discredit to Boise State, but they're playing the number 10 team in the nation. The win seems unlikely. They'd be 2-4. and four. Then they've got to play Air Force. I mean, that's the game they could lose. And then two weeks after that, um, or three weeks after that, they got to buy in there. So they'll have to come to Bulldog Stadium. So, I mean, this could be a Boise State team that may be three and five, four and four at best if they come to Fresno State. And <laughs> I think there's still going to be a lot of, of buzz around that game, of course. But if there's any chance Fresno State has to keep Boise State from having a winning season or an average season, I mean, that in itself is going to uh, be a, a point for the Red Wave to, to come out and, and be hungry for that game uh, because this is a, I mean, Boise State, I don't think there's a lack of talent by any means, but they've had a pretty tough schedule and they're not pulling off the games they usually pull off. And uh, I mean, if they miss a bowl game, <laughs> it would certainly uh, kind of change the narrative of uh, what Boise State's been in this conference pretty quick. Yeah. And that, that and that's, that's why, like I said, if, if they win, it helps Mountain West. If they lose, Helps the Mountain West. <laughs> I, I, that's the way I look at it. Uh, everybody else is, uh, I mean, everybody in the conference, you know, would love to see Boise to to finally, you know, show that they're human and have a losing record for once in the season. And uh, if, if anything were to line up, this is the year <laughs> for Boise <laughs> to have a, a losing season. However, if they were able to go and pull one off against uh, BYU in their stadium, that could really, really shake up the top 25 um, because the way things have been going this year, Jackson, um, I think people are still trying to figure out who's really the top 25 because of what happened last season. They didn't really get full season. So, you know, it's kind of a guessing game at this point, right, Jackson? Yeah, not a lot of teams are establishing themselves with all the, the upsets that have happened this year. Um, yeah, there's just been massive shakeups every week. And, uh, I mean, there's probably reason to think that it's going to continue the next couple of weeks. If, uh, that's the way it's been going so far. <laughs> so keep watching those top 25 games because <laughs> you're going to see some more upsets probably. Um, but this... You know, other than that, and this week's matchups, um, taking a look, San Jose takes on Colorado State, Wyoming. Uh, well, here's here's the first test for Wyoming. Wyoming takes on Air Force, so that's really going to be that's really going to tell the tale there. Um, then you got New Mexico, San Diego, and then New Mexico State, Nevada. Uh, any one of those next week's game? What's what's your what's your uh, top game of the week? Is it going to be that Boise BYU game? Uh, I mean, that's certainly the one with the most national appeal. Um, I, when I look at the conference, 
Uh, I'm really curious about San Jose State, Colorado State. I'm not sure how much many answers we're going to get out of that because Colorado State's a team that has um, had some struggles early on. They've also played some close games against some, some good teams like uh, the, the game at Iowa. They, they hung in there for quite a while. Um, but San Jose State is, um, you know, the, the, you look at the West Division and Nevada and San Diego State are really rolling. You figure Fresno State's right in there. That's uh, very much a contender. Um, then Hawaii's uh, been a pesky team. But where, where does San Jose State fit? Are they as good as they were last year? It doesn't seem like that's the case, but they played New Mexico State last week. This is a Colorado State team they you would think they could beat <laughs> the defending champion. And you just kind of, you're trying to figure out, are they going to get on a roll and become, uh, make the West Division really, truly even more difficult? Or are they going to crumble a little bit here as games sort themselves out? So that's probably the, the team I'm trying to figure out the most. Are, are they for real? Is this a, a four-team race in the division? And I, they're certainly, uh, you got to put them in the mix until proven otherwise. Um, but they, they don't seem to have the same confidence they had last year. Yeah, so definitely we're keeping an eye on the Mountain West to see if some of these questions will be answered. So uh, stay tuned for that as the season continues to progress and we uh, start to get a clearer picture. But as of right now, still a lot of question marks. So we'll see what happens uh, throughout the season uh, and keep an eye on that uh, during every podcast. Now, before uh, before we start to kind of s- slow things down and wrap things up, uh, it, it's about that time of the season, Jackson, where you kind of start to switch gears a little bit and start covering a different sport of the Bulldogs. And I know Fresno State has just recently started back up the basketball program, and you've got a chance to kind of take a look at that and see what's going on there. What's the latest coming out of uh, Bulldog, uh, out of the Bulldogs for basketball-wise? Because uh, I know you've been able to kind of see both men's and women's. What's the latest scoop on both of those? Yeah, so they opened up practice last week and uh, got a chance to see both teams out in action. And, um, you know, typically discuss the men's team, but, I mean, the women's team has been so successful over the last you know, 15 years, even. And more recently with the Cavender Twins, they've become uh, a very exciting team to watch and one of the more competitive programs on campus. So that's been, it's been interesting because they had a lot of transfer portal. Um, departures last year uh, a lot of the veterans and a lot of the seniors went ahead and, and took off and it's a very different looking team and uh, a lot more size I mean the Cavender twins are no, not tall by any means but just about every single other player on the team is uh, about 511 to 6'2 so it's going to be a if you're into uh, the Bulldog women's basketball team it's going to be a, a lot taller and a lot longer team and it's going to be really interesting to see how they play uh, when it comes to the men's side, uh, not so much of a change. Uh, just about everyone's back. And it was uh, a point where it was looking a little scary if that would happen. Orlando Robinson uh, declared for the NBA draft and uh, got probably closer than I anticipated he would uh, being in that picture, but ultimately decided to, to come back for another year and close some things up. Um, Dion Stroud also did the same thing. Um, I didn't think he was going to be draft worthy this off season, but crazier things have happened. <laughs> you know, some ill advised decisions have been made in the past. Fortunately he wasn't one of those guys. So you've got Robinson, you've got Stroud, two kind of borderline NBA guys right now. Um, Isaiah Hill's back who really established himself as uh, the point guard last season. 
and those guys are all back as juniors. So um, if they don't leave again <laughs> this offseason, uh, a real chance for that core to continue to improve and, and be a, a thread in the conference this year. Um, but the one addition they did make that's uh, pretty significant is Jamal Baker. Uh, he was a four-star recruit, a top 100 prospect in his class uh, four years back. Spent two years at uh, Kentucky. <laughs> that should tell you all you need to know right there. Uh, then he transferred to Arizona, uh, where he really put up uh, some good numbers, some double-digit average uh, points per game last year, and a couple of really, really uh, impressive performances mixed in there. So he's a about a six-five guard who could probably play anywhere from from point guard to that stretch four, even where the Bulldogs usually basically just play a, a big guard there anyway with their offense. And I mean, he's just going to be an instant boost along with the the trio that I talked about earlier and. Uh, Anthony Holland, who's kind of that glue guy. I mean, that that five, uh, starting five, is now going to be, it's gone from almost all underclassmen to all upperclassmen now. And then you add in the, the veteran transfer, who's really, really talented. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a, an improved team. Um, they went 12-12 and 12 last year. They really dominated against the lower half of the conference and had trouble getting over the hump, over the, the top half of the conference and kind of got stuck right in the middle. So it'll be uh, intriguing to see how far they can move their way up and um, if they can really become a contender. But either way, I think they've got kind of the recipe to at least be uh, kind of a borderline NIT team and hopefully be uh, even better than that. Um, so we'll kind of have to wait and see. And you know, NIT is usually not a super exciting phrase to use, but um, we're at a point now in the Mountain West where it's pretty tough to get those at large spots, especially if you're not one of the, the brand names with a loaded non conference schedule. So, uh, this is a chance, uh, for, I think for Fresno State and the coach, uh, coach Hudson and his staff to make a, a significant step forward as the program's been kind of middling the last couple of seasons and we'll see if they can do it. Yeah, so it's going to be definitely an exciting season for, uh, for Bulldog, uh, athletics, uh, a lot of successful programs on campus, basketball being one of them. And um, hopefully, you know, it's going to be uh, fun to watch for both men and women. Um, and like you said, the women have had a, a great team to watch here for the last few uh, few seasons. And the uh, men's basketball team has got an, infl- an infusion of new blood in here. So uh, hopefully we'll see a really good basketball team come out this year. Um, so, Jackson, with that being said, any final thoughts, anything coming up for the Barkboard.com? Because, you know, we're headed into a bye week. So uh, we're, we're kind of have to kind of get creative here this week, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's been such a grand year of football season. Uh, we're going to try and get some recruiting news going there this week as well. Um, uh, we'll go up basketball again this week, so we'll have some more basketball insights uh, to go. And um, uh, it won't be long. I mean, it's already Wednesday. Uh, it won't be too long before we're right back into Wyoming week, so this is going pretty quick. But uh, we do have a little bit of a special running right now if you go – Join VIP by Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific time. You can get uh, two months for just $1 if you're a new subscriber. And uh, the reason why that's significant is the Mountain West Championship game is in two months, uh, less than. So uh, whether Fresno State makes it or not, uh, that $1 is going to get you through the end of the regular football season 
uh, for just uh, a dollar. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty good deal, <laughs> I would say. Um, you get the half football season, and uh, if you like what you see, um, then you can stick around. And December will be a big month as well. You've got signing day. Um, it's going to be a big recruiting month. Uh, with the Bulldogs during a conference championship game and most certainly a bowl game. Uh, we'll have we all covered through that. And, of course, basketball will be right into the thing. So uh, still as disappointing as the Hawaii loss was, there's a whole lot to look forward to through the end of the calendar year and beyond. Yeah, and we definitely try to keep things going throughout the, uh, throughout the year um, just so that, you know, you can always get a fix on Bulldog Athletics. Um, and uh, there's always news recruiting-wise, right, Jackson? You know, throughout the year, we we keep it going as far as the recruiting is concerned uh, for both basketball and for uh, football. Um, and, uh, you know, our boards are always busy with all the latest news and, and updates on things. So if you haven't been a part of that, uh, that community yet, be sure to head over there. We've got both a free and a premium board. Of course, the premium board is the one you really want to be on because that's where all the information is at. Um, but things are really hopping over at the barcode. So if you haven't done so, head over there and and uh, get your subscription at a discounted rate. Ridiculously, Jackson. Really? I mean, that, that, a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> things are really really going right now uh so if you have been on the fence and trying to get a membership for the bark board now's the time to do it and don't hesitate because once this deal is gone it'll probably be gone for the rest of this year so uh make sure you get take your opportunity in doing that now, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. If you're looking for me on Twitter, you can find me at Red Wave Report. And if you haven't done so already, head over to our Facebook page and give it a like. There's a lot of information being uh, being put on there as well in addition. And, of course, as always, head over to our boards at thebarkboard.com for all your latest news uh, on Fresno State Athletics. I want to thank everyone for joining us and and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.